Tracy. Whoa, here we go then. It's the 1st of March. It's St. David's Day. And it's a bright, sunny day here on the Costa Blanca. It looks nice. It uh, We don't seem to have too much wind. Will it be as hot as yesterday got? It did get quite um, quite hot as the day went by. Let's get in the car, go across the mountain range and down towards Albia. And hopefully Eric's waiting for me to give me a weather report uh, from Albia. Good morning, Eric. How are you? Uh, I'm very well, and the weather, weather report is an absolutely fine, beautiful sunny day at the moment, and it's early doors yet, so it, it will get warmer as it probably did yesterday, you know. So we, we can't complain at the moment. We, we did have a bit of crummy weather last week, really, didn't we? It was a couple of blanky days, but uh, overall, we've, uh, we, we've come good out in the end, and we, it's just a matter of being patient over here with the weather, isn't it? If we get a couple of bad days, we moan. Yeah. <laughs> Poor England people, they've got it all the time, a lot of it, you know, so yeah. anyway, we're doing okay, that's the main thing, isn't it? Yeah, and of oh, course... Oh, but it's Pancake Tuesday as well today, Oh, that. <laughs> Pancake Tuesday, okay. <laughs> um, I don't know, I'd, I'll bet you Anne's forgotten, I'll have to raise that and see what happens. Okay, well, we've got quite a lot to talk about because obviously the fixture congestion at this time of the year really does sort of... Um, pile up but of course everything dominated by what's happening in Ukraine with uh, obviously Russia invading and much as you know we don't want to make this a political podcast then obviously I think the the easiest way to do it is wish for a happy outcome from all this um, and let's hope that the world we, you know, we keep talking about going back to normal normality. It just doesn't seem to get anywhere near normality at the moment. But um, yeah, let's 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 just hope that the the uh, invasion ceases and we start getting some proper peace back in the world. It just seems as though things are lined up, though, doesn't it? Just as things seems to be getting better over the epidemic and all this kind of stuff, and and then the next thing is a war start breaks out. You know, it says all things are being plan what's next you know we don't know and then when when this gets signed out something else will happen you know yeah. i don't know what's going on there it's a strange world at the moment it is and uh you know as i say to all my family the only way round what we've got is uh to keep our own counsel pray for peace and say your prayers in whatever way you do that sort of thing you know um if you don't say prayers yeah. we'll do whatever you do because that's what i'm doing you know I, I, I just feel I need to do that. And um, I mean, the, the thing is, I, I get so much information, which, of course, helps me make me podcasts, that uh, it's very difficult when you've got one clear outline, uh, everybody saying, you know, that uh, Ukraine needs help and all this. And then you uh, I've, I've got a series of three videos that came um, across my um contact points yesterday and what they are is explaining uh, why Russia should attack um, Ukraine and one thing that did cross my mind is do you remember Eric I'm sure you might think the same as me on this one there was a time when any um, English clubs or British clubs were going out to play in European games and Ukraine was always a very difficult place for them to go. There was, I, I seem to remember, the black lads were, were uh, suffered quite a few racist abuses when they went into Ukraine, and and uh, probably Russia as well. I can't remember the Russian games, but I do remember Ukraine was a difficult venue for them to go to, wasn't it? I think it's quite. Here's a few countries where they. Italy, for instance, they're the same, you know, we've been that so much abuse in Italy where players have walked off, you know, and things like that. So it's different countries, and, and as we know, that it's only a minority in these places, though, that cause the problems, isn't it? And then it's highlighted in our own case, like in England, all the abuse you get on, on the social media. Why are people on social media? Why don't you just get off it and nobody can call you or whatever? That, that, yeah. That's one thing I can't understand. Not about you take the knee and all that. Well, 
just get off the media altogether and nobody can go on about it, can they? You know, Absolutely it, right. If you're giving somebody a chance to aim a pot shot at you, uh, especially because you don't even know it is who's taking the pot shot. You know, so these are the things which... It, 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 once again, unfortunately, it comes back to money, doesn't it? Because they get, the more followers they got, the more they make on their advertising on the podcast, or not the podcast, on the, uh, on the social media. Do you know what I mean? And yeah. this is what happens. And it's another one. I mean, footballers could be more greedier than they are in some ways, can they? You know, because I, I just think if I was involved, I, I think there's a, I think Thierry Henry is the only one I can remember saying, I'm having nothing to do with any of them. And he, he come off a lot of them, Thierry That's right. Henry. Yeah. And I thought, good on you, man. You know, wish everybody had followed suit. But they're all grabbing the, an extra, extra money, aren't they? They're all trying to grab extra money in there. I just can't see the point of how much money does he want these players. I think but, the... Never mind, that's another I'll be awesome. I can't be doing it. It doesn't be any. Yeah. I think another thing that um, really is pretty obvious is, is that you've got access to the world, which in the past we never had. I mean, places like Ukraine and Russia were just places that you knew were so far away. Um, you know, until I actually went there and uh, obviously have a little bit of an experience of going to that country, um, you know, I found Russia uh, quite a contrast, really. Moscow airport was very, very stark and nobody seemed to be smiling. And, and I was told, actually, don't be lighthearted as you go through the customs. You know, so I didn't, obviously. I didn't even say um, hello to them. You just sort of show your paper and off you go, you know. And then yeah. up in St. Petersburg, I did find that, um, you know, the streets seem to be a little bit menacing in some respect, almost like the worst secret police walking around. Um, and the, I mean, the, the cold, I had two really, really thick uh, coats on. It was absolutely freezing. But of course, the other side of it, which I thought was magnificent, were the palaces and the buildings. They were absolutely wonderful to behold, you know. And um, the the thing is, as I say, it, it's like with the internet and um, with what we read and what we see on TV and everything, it's too immediate, really. It's it's like something that might have taken two or three weeks for a ship to bring back news <laughs> these days. I mean, yeah. you do it by the press of a button. Um, yeah, it's unbelievable. Okay, now what about these sanctions against Russia? Um, if we start with a silly one first, I mean, I know it sounds that I'm being trivial here, but I mean, this business of um, stopping Russia at the European Song Contest, well, I, I mean, it is a little bit of a joke anyway. The, the European uh, yeah, Eurovision, yeah. you know, the the the, um, yeah. the commentators that go, the programs that are made, are always sort of very much in, in joking about the whole thing. So I can't see that one doing an awful lot, although, um, you know, obviously to be included is better than not to be included. But more importantly, I think sport might have a role to play that um, certainly a lot of men, a lot of men who probably might not have taken too much interest in the politics, I think if they know that um, their football team has been uh, excluded from everything they might think a little bit more about wanting to fight people, mightn't they? Well, in the football case, I mean, he's, uh, you know, they removed the European Cup final from there, the Champions League Cup final, should say. You know, so that's been taken away from, I think it was in St. Petersburg. Yes, it was. Mistaken. Yes, it was. Uh, so that's already been removed from him. I mean, it just makes you wonder. Don't forget, they already had a World Cup as well, not that long ago, and... Uh, where these, where the money in the backhanders have been going, I, I don't know. But it's funny now; it's moved on to Paris. You know, they moved it to Paris, which is another one of the places where England never gets get anything. You know, in, in the World Cup side, you know, and it's just a bit annoying for me that mm. that we've not had a World Cup at England since 1966. And these other places get stuff like finals, but we have had finals at Wembley, you know, because Wembley's such a uh, a well-known ground around the world, you know. It's yeah. a that's iconic, good, uh, isn't reputation, it? You know, yeah. just that last time when England played at home in that uh, final, uh, in what in, 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 in Euro Euros, wasn't it? the Euro Championships, yeah. and uh, they had it caused that trouble. 
So whether that has a, has a lot to do with it, I don't know, but they reckon it doesn't because England was going to put in for one at World Cups. But anyway, to try and get back to the Russian situation, point is, if, you, if you're in sport, you can't suddenly go uh, uh, taking war to another country and killing children, innocent children, who don't know anything, never had a chance to live, and wives and old people, all families are affected, you know, and you just can't do that. And to the fact that you go there and play football or, or tennis or whatever sport you may be involved in, it, it doesn't seem logical to me. And these are things, before they start to throw up any bombs or do anything, you should think about because they're alienating themselves from the rest of the world because nobody wants to see a war anywhere. And there's always wars going on, which we don't hear that much about, you know, in these jungles and things like that. And it's just amazing that so many people are... You get shocked by it, and I just got the feeling that don't don't make war with people. As John Lennon would say, "Make love," you know. Yeah. Um, yes, I mean, obviously, uh, you and I both rationally can can say that, um, y- you know. But always in the background, you've got people playing uh, the football, which of course is the theme of the podcast. Um, but 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 behind the scenes, very often. There's a lot of ugliness going on. And, you know, the trouble is the money always seems to be the thing that really comes to the front all the time. Money is man-made. People forget that. Um, Before money, they had barter. Well, realistically, so if you can make problems with money, you can solve problems with money as well. Um, Okay, let's go to a specific because... I felt very sorry for Chelsea and the players and the the whole ethos of the club because for years on end, they've been very happy to use Roman uh, Abranovic's money. Uh, but of course now uh, they've stripped him of that. And I mean, I don't know whether or not he really is as powerful and influential as people uh, have talked about. But I mean... You did have a picture of him in the paper yesterday going to Ukraine to um, try and broker peace. Well, okay, if he's got a picture in that situation, then he must have some links with Putin. And if that's the case, um, I think we're now getting close to something I mentioned on um, under Thorough when we were working on the radio Many, many years ago, I remember talking about the fact that I felt it was going to take an absolutely cataclysmic event to to change things. I mean, I was always very annoyed about the amount of money that the, the footballers have got and you or, or get for a wage. And you always came back with it's not their fault. It's the fact that they paid it. So, you know, I accepted that. I didn't have a problem with your um, argument on that. But I think I... I'm now getting more of an awareness of what I was feeling many, many years ago about it only takes something huge. It's got to take something huge to get us back to anything near sanity. Because if somebody um, doing, say, uh, a medical job or teaching job or engineering job or, you know, as a responsible job, if people are earning possibly a couple of thousand pound, we'll say two thousand pound a month, maybe three thousand pound a month, that might be nearer uh, accuracy. Um, you know, to think that footballers are earning over a hundred thousand pound a week, or if we go to an average Premiership player, well, probably maybe if we say fifty thousand, that wouldn't be probably that far from from being a good figure to to work from so if you're going to tell me that a doctor or a teacher or an engineer or anybody doing a day's work any graft like sweeping the streets for example you know um any of those basic jobs are all people working hard to go from an average of um say about three thousand to an average of about 50,000 a week is not right, in my opinion. I'm not going to change my opinion on that one ever. Have you changed maybe the way you think about it, or did you always feel the same as me? No, I've always thought that, uh, first of all, I don't blame the footballers. I accept what they're offered, and 
The point is, it's the people at the top who are to blame who are offering them money. And what happens is that money comes into the football through advertising, and advertising makes money to pay the players. Now, you don't need me to tell you, looking at the football grounds now, it's not blinking uh, Epsom salts or something like that, you see advertising. It's blinking in Chinese, it's in blinking Russian, it's in all different languages now, the advertising. So you can imagine how far around the world it's going now and how much they're charging. In fact, you never hear of what they charge for the advertising, do you? No. And it's the same with television as well. When the television, you know, when it comes through half time and all the adverts come on, how much do they pay for that? Well, all that money that comes in goes out mainly to the players, and I'm pretty sure quite a bit of it goes to the clubs as well, which uh, that's how they come to pay the players, being truthful. But the point is, people at the top are to blame for allowing that much money. Instead of getting that money down to grassroots level and improving facilities for playing fields and stuff like that, which... Nowadays, as I think of the past, playing fields, uh, When in my day, we used to be able to go on, it was about, round about where I lived, three lots of playing fields where you could go on and be at least, on one on one playing field, there was, must have been at least 12 pitches, you know. Then there used to be another one nearby where you had about four, and, and so on. But all of them now have been built on, and nothing has replaced them. And if you look on going back over history, when uh, Maggie got in charge and she got rid of all the engineering companies, which I was one of them, um, all the engineering companies had football grounds and cricket grounds and social clubs, and all those were wiped out in one go, where people could go and enjoy themselves and, and, and make friends with other people. And nowadays, you've got nothing like that. And that, that's the thing which annoyed me. People never thought about it then. And so these people who've got the brains, or supposed to have the brains, come along with advertising, and that's where all the money is. It started to go that way quite a bit ago, the moment television got involved in sport. Yeah. You know, they used to get the adverts coming on there when it was the sport, and, or this is sponsored by so-and-so. And it, that was the beginning of the end, I thought, for a lot of people where people... With jobs, as you just said before, normal working class jobs, where you had to work hard to earn your car, like, you know, and these people now just come along, pay X amount of money to advertise, and the advertising went to the players, and, and that, that's all that's happened. But the people at the top are to blame, not the players. That's okay. That's always been my opinion. Eric, your jingle follows, and. Uh-huh. Talking football with the Silver Fox, Eric Barnes. Okay, so, um, you know, I still believe that things like trying to make ordinary people, um, you know, change their ways of uh, doing everything is, is what we've been living through. And I think that if you uh, go back to the fact that the work ethic has been very, very sadly and in a very, very constant way being changed, you know, so that ordinary lads don't really see their jobs as important as they should be. Because, you know, I still always have said this and I still believe it. If you've got the road sweeper and the road sweeper doesn't turn up to clean the roads and if the bins aren't emptied, the base work isn't done. The whole of society crumbles. And that's where I think we've been going. Let me go um, back to uh, football now as we look at the demise of Bielsa at Leeds. And they've got a new man already in. Um, I think he's called Jesse March, if that's the way you pronounce it. An American. Um, yeah. I mean, what do you think really about Bielsa and what he's tried to do because his legacy will live on as your manager has been talking about in the papers today uh, you know Guardiola is obviously a fan of what he has tried to do um, I mean he's a real character you've got to say that and he's brought Leeds back into focus hasn't he well if you speak to anybody if I was out with a lad last night from Leeds and he's, he's gutted about it, you know, being sacked and all that and he, he's over there met everybody, a lot of people who live in that area say he's done so much for the community and brought football back to life in that in Leeds after it died for years after them being one of the top teams. 
as you know, they used to always play in white because of Real Madrid colours. That was done. Levy who changed the colours. I can remember them playing in blue and gold, if I'm not mistaken. And that's going back a few years. Wow. But uh, that, that's what the colours used to be. But anyway, Don Levy changed that to all white because of Real Madrid being a great side, which it was in the old days. Not saying they're not now, but what happened was that uh, Don Levy changed a lot. Now, along comes this chap when we've had all the dark years down at Leeds now, whereby they've suffered. Like we did at Man City, we went right down through the divisions on what would be the third division. And the same thing happened to Leeds. Trouble was, in Leeds' case, it was more of a deduction of points which helped to send them down. In our case, it was not good enough players, really, when we look back at it. But uh, Leeds have come back to life and he's gotten back into the Premier League. And for that, he'll never be forgotten. And I think that's why they're on about making such a fuss now about him going. If he could have just given him a chance to uh, try and save him himself before the end of the season. Whether he would have done, we don't know, because each week goes by and it seems to get worse for Leeds it fans, does. doesn't it? It does. You know, they go, the goals are going up and they're not coming down. And I think the difficult part of it is, uh, I know as a coach, it's far easier to coach defensive work than attacking work. Now, I can remember when... Uh, Guardiola first come to the city and he said he did not coach tackling and everybody laughed at him and said I don't coach and it's very true you don't see many city players doing the tackles hard tackles like other teams do and uh, they just play pure football and I think Belter tried his best to play attacking football and it just didn't work out because the Premier League is so tough you know there's that, that many good players in particular when it comes to scoring goals and and you make one mistake and it's in the back of your neck. I mean, each week you hear these managers talking, first 15 minutes, if you can keep it quiet, keep the crowd down, you know what I mean? You, you keep to say to yourself, well, that's the way of doing it. And I can understand that. But in Leeds' case, it's like, push the whistle cord and off the go. You know, it's like a wind-up tie. <laughs> and they're, all, they're all running forward, aren't they? All attacking. And, it, and no wonder everybody keeps saying you love watching Leeds because if you're playing against your team, your team usually gives them a bit of a good idea, like, you know. <laughs> but they are, they are really a good side to watch. But being truthful, at the end of the day, when it comes to a manager, sometimes you've got to say to yourself, well, I think I'd better just pack this in for a little bit and better get a bit more defensive-minded because... This rate, we're going to go down a division after me bringing them all the way up. Yeah. So, for that reason, I think when you're in charge of a football club, it's very difficult to make a decision whether you stick with your manager and hope that the luck turns around and that you know things start to go right for you, where you're not having any luck and it's going wrong, or you get rid of a manager and bring somebody new in, you might be able to change the situation. And in Leeds' case, that's what they decided to do. What the bloke they brought in, in my opinion. I would personally, I'd put Sam Allardyce saying if somebody had to go there, make uh, yeah. sure we did stay up. Do you it's, know what I mean? That's what I'm I would have done. You know, I'm not saying this bloke's rubbish or anything wrong with him. He might be a good manager, for all I know. But he's off the same school as a lot of them now. You know, we're coming from Germany and making a, the point from uh, Red Bull Leipzig. A lot of them do a lot of work there. Yeah. And they start there and then move along now it's to different countries. Uh, as I say, it's just a matter of which way you jump. And as it happened, Leeds have decided to jump the way of start with a new manager. Yeah. Which is, they should have checked out with the fans, really, in one way, but they didn't. They just decided to get rid of him and so That's the way it's gone. I'm sorry to see him go. But he, as I tell you, he always reminds me of someone like Peter Laurie on, on the line, honestly. Mm. A, a, a really. <laughs> Horror, you know what I mean? He'd sit there with his face growling at all the players <laughs> and sat on the bucket. And, you know, he made he made football a lot more enjoyable to, uh, well, well to watch. And that's why he would like watching because he's always plenty of goals when he was playing for or against. But good luck to that. If I was in Leeds now, I think uh, I, I would want to honour Bielsa. I would want to... Uh, explain to him why we've had to make the change, which obviously would have to come. So, can we mark the end of your maybe association in a different way? Um, you know, I, there is something, there must be something they can do. But anyway, um, okay, Golden going next to Christian Eriksen and Brentford. So, um, it's nice to see Christian Eriksen back. 
and uh, they must have done all the, um, the the checks because the protocol must be to make sure he's 100% fit before he, he can play in the Premier League. So, um, yeah, uh, the only thing that I can say is let's see how he does and um, good luck to him because it, that was a, a huge shock to everybody, wasn't it? Well, it was a, for the start, he is a good footballer anyway. Forget whatever happened to him. I mean, he was just a class player. Uh, one of the very few creative midfielders we had in the Premier League. And for, for Tottenham, he'd done really well over the years. But it's nice to see him come back. I, I hope that people, well, I can't see anybody getting on his back because he got a good reception from the Newcastle fans when he came on the weekend. And, uh, and I think that'll go on all around the country when he does play. I think he'll be well. A lot of people will certainly support him as much as he can. Apart from when you play at your team, you, you don't want them to be that good. But yeah. you, the main thing is that the lads recovering and doing okay. And it can happen that people can come back from something like this. As I've mentioned many times before, Ace Hartford, when he was found with a hole in his heart, yeah. but he still carried on playing football, and he's still playing football today with City veterans. Right. So it just goes to show what can happen, you know. Yeah. OK, well, next we go to the Carabao Cup final. And uh, I've got to say that I enjoyed the whole game. I was on the edge of my seat. I thought Chelsea were very, very, uh, very good. Uh, obviously, my own team, I wanted to win. The, the shootout came. Before we discuss any of that, I want to go to what happened when the cup was actually uh, awarded and things were happening, because there's three things that have taken my eye and three things which I think Liverpool um, have addressed fairly quickly, because I think that these things matter, and I think we're seeing more and more these things matter. First of all, um, the Greek fullback uh, Simikas. Um, apparently, he was up on the balcony. He didn't play in the game, as you probably know. Um, but he was part of the squad. He's played very, very well. And apparently he spat his chewing gum down into the crowd from the um, balcony where the players were. So he's had a warning from the club, which I think is quite right. Uh, you cannot just go and do things like that, especially in um, a situation like he was in. So I think that was well handled. He's had his warning um, and apparently he's apologised. Um, the goalkeeper, we're going to discuss the playing side of it in a minute. Um, when he was being interviewed, Keller, uh, he, um, he, got, he, he got a bit carried away and he let a couple of swear words go. They weren't done in a bad way, but again, he's been told to apologise and he's obviously apologised and explained what had happened. And then another nice thing that happened, well, two nice things, actually. First of all, both um, the captain, um, Jordan Henderson, and um, Milner, went to console the um, Chelsea players, which I think is nice. It's a gesture, but it's still nice. doesn't always happen, and I think that's important. And then apparently when they were doing the uh, usual champagne, shaking the bottles and everything, um, the Japanese player, um, Romino, he went to get a bottle. And Mane, who of course is a Muslim and doesn't drink, he put his hand sort of saying, could, could you not do that? And immediately... And Minamino put the bottle back, which I think, you know, all these little things go to either make the game a little bit nicer or not a little nicer. And I think that was just a nice gesture. Um, now, first of all, did you uh, had you heard of any of those things that I'd picked up? And uh, if if so, did, do you have any comments that you want to make? Well, it's just the fact that at the end, the people are so elated. They've just won the trophy. And where the swearing comes in, obviously, nobody that's fear of swearing. But you know what really annoys me? On the television, somebody will say, oh, we apologise if you're just doing some swear words. Uh, just so. Then the next minute, you'll hear the crowd singing swear words, loud and clear, yeah. what they're singing. And, and you don't say anything about that, you know. So it's like double standards all the time. They want atmosphere at games, but they want people to provide it, but still be, you know... The, I mean, some of the songs are a bit rude and are not very good, but a lot of songs, I mean, when we all sing our favourite song, it's City's Case Blue Moon and Yours, You'll Never Walk Home, there's nothing wrong with that, it's fantastic. And every club has them. Down at Brentford, they've got another good one down there as well. And there are things which come over on television, but nobody 
how can I put it? Nobody mentions the good side of it. And as soon as somebody swears, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I, I very rarely swear when there's any women about, but don't get me wrong, I'm not a goody-goody. I can't <laughs> swear. I, I, I've swore many a time at football matches in my own mind, you know, without not any particular person. Yeah. But you get, get get that heated up at that moment in time, you know. <laughs> Probably poor referees, does anybody get more sick than <laughs> any footballer gets in my opinion? Mm. But nobody goes on about the poor referee. But they're not that poor nowadays like they used to be. No. Uh, but the point is that, end of the day, going back to the Liverpool situation, I just think everybody takes a different way of looking at it. You say, Manny, with the being a Muslim not drinking, fair enough, that's that's okay, that's great. I mean, you just respect one another's religion, don't you? Yeah. Uh, when you're in a dressing room, it's a, particularly now in sport, there's so many different nationalities in the dressing rooms with different religions. It, it's, it's hard to work out what religion some of them are. Yeah. Uh, so, Manny, right, that's great. I mean, a lot of footballers don't drink nowadays anyway because of the way they, they're looked after at the club. They have special dietitians, make sure that they have... When the epidemic was on and everybody was on lockdown, they all had chances where what they could eat and what they couldn't eat. Do you know what I mean? So yeah. it's a, a different... I mean, we've got to blame the England for that, haven't we, really? Because <laughs> nothing better than that be buying chips as well on a Friday night. You might go out of... I know City lads you know, used to enjoy fish and chips on a Friday night, you know. Yeah. Um, Pablo's Abeletta, one of his favourite meals, that by fish and chips over there. But like you say, it's, it's all changed now, football, and... Uh, them days have gone. Yeah. I, I don't know, say you didn't go for a drink. I would imagine that a few of them would have gone for a drink. But Liverpool and Manchester United at one stage were renowned for being yeah. big drinking mouse, you know. So, uh, what did you, um, years, it's changed. What did you think of the actual game then and the penalty yeah, shootout? It was, a, yeah. it was a good game. It was just short of goals, really, wasn't it? The trouble is, if these goals, people may make it on mistakes, don't they? Yeah. But it, it, both teams played well defensively. And... Uh, I think they had three disallowed, if I'm not mistaken, Chelsea. But uh, that's the other thing nowadays. Football is just getting interrupted now by the AR. As soon as the goal goes in, you think, oh, I'm just waiting. Are we sure that's the goal or not? Or VAR are looking at it. When you say that, I think, oh, no, that's all you need. Nine times out of ten. As it happened, we'll maybe talk about it. We got away with one at weekend at Everton with our normal. We've had a lot against us, I tell you. That's yeah. the way it goes, unfortunately. Let's get back to the Carabao Cup just for a minute because there's a point I wanted to ask you about. Um, Tuchel, the manager, brought on uh, the young goalkeeper and uh, took off uh, a guy who's been superb during the game. I know it's the juggling bit of keeping all the players happy and, and everything else, um, but to, to be honest with you, uh, if there was anybody that was going to miss a penalty, there was one guy who deserved to miss the penalty. Capper, uh, I think it's called, isn't he? The, the goalkeeper. Because yeah. all through the goalkeeping, all through the um, penalty shootout, he was acting like an idiot. I mean, basically, he was cocky. He was seemingly breaking the rules. I thought you had to stay still on your line, um, which was totally and utterly ignored. He kept going up to uh, goad the players. I mean, there's one thing is gamesmanship. The other thing is just to total and utterly bad sportsmanship. And I think he epitomised bad sportsmanship. And when his shot went over the bar... I think that was his just desserts for me. Any thoughts on that one? Well, first of all, I mean, don't forget Chelsea, when they played Man City, uh, they, did, they tried to do the same thing by bringing Caballero on for the, for the goalkeeper who'd been on. And the keeper wouldn't come off, if you can remember. I think it was two seasons ago now. Yeah. And uh, Anyway, he never came off and he stayed on in goal and Caballero never got on. Because I know that Caballero, when he played at Man City, he was absolutely excellent at stopping penalties. And maybe that's the way he felt with Kepa at weekend. But what annoyed Well, I can't say it annoyed me because I'm not a Chelsea fan. But the, the lad had played in goal in all the other games and then he dropped him for final. And I think maybe he was trying to make up a little bit, as you just said before, uh, something had gone on. Fair play to Klopp. He kept in pace with the keeper, uh, Keller, and... Uh, in my opinion, I think he did right. And you'll find that with the Man City, uh, we, every time when we, we won it four years on the trot, 
and he never changed his keeper once, you know, put the best keeper in Edison. He kept the lad who'd got through the rounds. And I thought that's always a sign of a good manager. Not frank to put, put the lad in who's there working hard the same work every day in, day out on the training field as as the other goalkeeper. You know, because he works yeah. together. There's usually a group of three or four goalkeepers who all work together on a, on a coaching situation with a, a with a goalkeeping coach. And I just thought it was a great that a Klopp kept with his faith in, in Keller. He could have easily put Alisson back in goal because obviously the defence know Alisson better than Keller, although in fairness, he had a good game. And he did, didn't he? I yeah. just, and like you just said, Mendy had a good game for mm. Chelsea. And probably from a, a Liverpool point of view, if I had been a player and I saw him change the keeper, I thought, well, oh, I'm not too sure. Mendy's just had a blinder there. You know yeah. what I mean? But you thought you'd kept him on, but that's managing for you. They have to make big decisions and at the end of the day, it works against them. But I must say, I mean, most of the penalties were pretty good. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Maybe... Yeah. Possibly one, two at the most, where he, he could maybe have saved it. I think one a keeper got his hand to the ball, but it just couldn't stop it going in. Yeah. But other than that, the penalties were brilliant. OK, we're going to look at uh, the Premier by uh, what the fixtures managed to produce over the weekend. I feel a jingle coming on. and uh... It's Talking Football with the Silver Fox, Eric Barnes. Okay, so we go to the 24th. Arsenal were playing Wolves and uh, you and I both thought a draw was on the cards. Arsenal 2, Wolves 1. That was a good uh, win for Wolves, wasn't it? Sorry for Arsenal. Well, he scored in the 94th minute, didn't he? And I hate it because you can't do out about it if you're the other team. And Wolves had played fairly well, but for some reason, Arsenal pressed them back and... As I've said many times before, the deeper you play and the more you let the other team get on top and there's always a chance that they are going to snatch a goal one way or the other. So, yeah, it's just unfortunate. You see, what you've got to try and do is keep on the front foot, which is easy for me to say. But you know what I mean? That's what you've got to do when the game's going on. Don't let the other team get on top. And basically, I thought that because he'd gone one on up Wolves, they let Arsenal come into the game and at the end of the day, it just run out of steam because, as I say, 94th minute when he got the winning goal. But yeah. that's the way it goes, football. The number of times now goals are scored after 90 minutes is unbelievable. OK, well, it looks like Norwich are visiting the Championship again as Southampton at home beat them 2-0. Uh, I didn't really see much that Norwich were offering in that game, did you? No, you're right there. I, I was a bit disappointed in Norwich. I thought they'd show a little bit more fight and... Uh, he didn't see to I don't think it just off top of him. He had his shot at goal. I might be wrong there. But uh, Southampton week in, week out, provides some good football. And uh, and that, that manager doesn't get the credit he deserves, I don't think. Uh, I think what he's done at Southampton, apart from letting some good players go, like Danny Ings, he left them, you know, and uh, there's another couple of uh, lost the centre-back to Leicester, that's the guard. You know, they let a few good players go in the, in the summer and that he's re- regrouped them now. Um, it took a bit of time to get them organised, but now you can see how well organised they are and what, what a good side they are. And then along with Brighton, the two of my favourite teams that I like watching. OK. Uh, when Leeds were at home to Spurs, I saw Spurs scoring four. Um, you thought Leeds could have sneaked that one, but uh, is it that Spurs were good or was it that Leeds were bad? What do you think? Well, it's a terrible thing to say, isn't it? But each week I more or less, like I have done when the past with Norwich, I just keep expecting these teams to turn things round. And that's what I thought Leeds would do against Tottenham. But now the... They've just not got the quality to be able to get the goals which are going to win them the games. Since Bamford's not been playing for Leeds, it's just a week in the book front. They work hard, they try hard, but they've just not got that quality to finish the chances off when they are on top. Uh, but Tottenham, uh, they've got good players, Tottenham. Don't, don't make mistake about that. They've got some good players. and uh, I mean, one of my favourite players is that son, 
I think he's a brilliant player, me. Yeah. And uh, I'd like to see him play for City, but it'll never happen. When you're chasing Harry Kane and all that, but Son is the one that I'd, I believe makes some runs. He's kind of a, a, a Kevin De Bruyne. You know, somebody can pick the yeah. ball up on the edge of his own penalty area and run the length of the field yeah. with, his head, with his head up and the ball at his feet, you know. That is a class play, that. And anybody who's played football know it's not easy. I know football pitches are more level than they used to be in the old days, like, but uh, I, I love watching them play. But Tottenham, too good for Leeds, I'm sorry to say. Oh. They have to tell Rob Daniels condolences. <laughs> I, I'm doing my best to um, try and keep it an even keel, though, because it must be awful for Rob, because he's a real fanatic. I mean, he really does love his club, so um, I can try and be as kind as possible, but uh, there's, there's got to be a big change there, which there is, of course. Um, we both thought Newcastle would defeat Brentford, so um, I think that we can both agree that uh, Brentford are still going the wrong direction, and Newcastle have taken a turn for the better, haven't they? Well, obviously, they strengthened the team nicely in the transfer window. Which certainly, everybody knew they needed to strengthen defence. And Dan Byrne, who come from Brighton, he's, he's a six foot two or six, not six foot two, about six foot six, six foot eight. He is. He's a big, strong centre back, has made all the difference to their defence. And uh, maybe his instructions he's giving to players around him is helping them a lot as well. And then you've also got other lads who've joined them now as well. Uh, they had target from Aston Villa. They've, they've, got a, they've built a team up, and I, I've got to give Eddie out credit. I, I wanted him to get the job, and I'm glad he got the job, and I'm glad they're doing okay. Not just because uh, of him, but because Newcastle is one of them teams who, over the years, you've been the supporter of their fans because they're all great fans. Most Newcastle fans are pretty good, in my opinion. There'll always be an odd one, but I, I like Newcastle. It's a shame to say the same, but about some of them as well, but they're well down to Division 3 at the moment. But yeah. that's the life, isn't it? That's the way it goes, football, I'm afraid. But, yeah, good performance by Newcastle. Looking very solid at the back. OK, Villa went to Brighton and they won the game 2-0. We both were uh, putting a draw together. Uh, so, Stephen Gerrard turned the corner, maybe. Um, Much-needed win there, wasn't it? It was, yeah. Well, I mean, both teams, I don't think, Brighton have won for ages, you know, they've drawn quite a lot, but they hadn't won again for quite a bit, but uh, Villa was in the same same boat, and at the end of the day uh, two non, uh, Cash got a great goal, the first goal to make it one non for them, and then the other one was a long ball down the middle, chased on by Watkins, he put the ball away uh, Brighton, I don't know, he never shown up at weekend did he? Uh, a bit disappointed in Brighton, I must admit. I expected a bit more fight from them, but yeah. maybe they've got in that, that comfort zone and maybe they've got the blinking sandals on now on the beach time. Yeah, you never know. Um, OK, Burnley, they continued their draws um, with a 1-1 at Crystal Palace. I mean, they don't, they're not prolific when they score, but they do seem to just grind out the results. Sean Dyche is obviously a motivator of resistance and resilience, isn't he? Yeah, it's just a, you know, they have a set way of playing at Burnley and no matter what happens, wherever they are in the league, they all seem to play the same way. They mainly long balls going in the air to the centre-forwards and now they've got that big lad up front. You know, it, it, it's now beginning to gel a little bit for them. So uh, I think that's what's happened there. They've turned the corner. Defence is getting pretty much back to what it used to be, you know, the normal back fours playing. And I think Burnley are, I think they're going to be safe now. But at one time, it didn't look too clever for them, I no, don't think. No, it didn't. Uh, Manchester United hosted Watford and nil-nil. Uh, home draw, no goals. Rangnick isn't doing a fantastic job there, that's for sure. Well, United, I mean, you don't expect United to beat Watford, let's be honest, like, that was a real coupon buster, one for the bookies at. So uh, I just got the feeling that if they should have won the game with the chances he had United. But at the end of the day, it's all about putting the ball in the back of the net. And, and the play, they've got enough players who should be able to do that. But at Port, they're, not, they're not doing it at the moment. No, they're not earning the money at all. Now, we come to the controversy of the weekend. I saw the game. Um, I thought that the... Um, 
I knew that you'd scrape a goal somewhere, but when it came to the handball, I've got to say, you know, um, as not a neutral, because obviously um, we're right behind you and we, we're keeping an eye on everything that goes on, um, I must admit, VAR stinks. When you see something that the whole world can see something something being used, the arm being used to propel the ball. Sorry, uh, Eric, um, I, I know it's um, it sounds like a criticism of your, of your team and it's not meant, it's a criticism of VAR, this. I think it was diabolical. I think if I was Frank Lampard, I would be absolutely furious. I think that the whole world is now totally aware that somewhere brown envelopes are taking place is somewhere behind the scenes this has got to stop surely well that, in this case in particular is nailed on handball I don't think anybody would, would disagree on that point of view but you've got to remember we've had things get go against us in the season and, and how many penalties have Liverpool had this year they had two last week listen Eric they, they were not balls weren't they you know, but, Eric but, I totally I totally agree with you uh, we were lucky and I, I felt a bit embarrassed with the penalty that Marnie was awarded uh, during the week. Um, but I, I, th- this is not a question of criticising your team. This is a question of criticising VAR. And yeah. I think, quite honestly, when everybody watching a match can see clearly that there's been an infringement, and then you go off to VAR, and then some anonymous person uh, makes a stupid, well, a downright uh, immoral decision because it, it, it's to do with lots of different pe- people and the way life is sort of at the moment. We're all questioning a lot more than we used to. But, for example, I was watching the rugby, um, I think it was Italy playing against Ireland, and there, there was uh, something that needed to be explained. And you clearly hear the referee explaining his decision to the people on their VAR and they're talking to each other and explaining why the decision is the way it is. Why doesn't football do that? Yeah, well, there's so many things. Why did he change different rules in football? Uh, you know, the handball wet. It's just a shambles. And if someone's going to make a mistake, you might as well leave it up to the referee because they've made plenty of mistakes before. And, and you don't need another bloke in a box somewhere, nowhere near a football ground, telling you make another mistake. You know, which everybody else can see. And like cricket, when they when they arguing about whether it was an LBW or a catch, everything is spoken to by the bloke who's doing it when it when it's happening. Oh, I just want to have another look at that again. Here you don't hear anything. All everybody everybody's standing around waiting to hear what's happening. And then it, I think it took two minutes to see what everybody else in the world could see was Ambo. Yeah. And yet he wasn't given a... a I mean, it could have been followed, it could have been against us, but it's still the same mistake as you just said. And it's not just that. It's the other teams in the league who've had bad decisions go against them, not just Everton. We've all had it. And as I've said many times before, it always seems to favour the big clubs. And yeah. uh, they're probably right, because I, I just have the feeling a lot of these referees, they... Uh, it's very hard to pick a good referee now. When I watch, I mean, I, I study referees quite a lot, and uh, I find it very difficult to say who's a good referee and who isn't. Our superstar referee is supposed to be Mike Oliver. Uh, I, I'm not that keen of him either. You know what I mean? He's supposed to be our top top one, and the other one is Anthony Taylor. We are, well, you won't know it, but not coming from Manchester, but he's an avid Man United fan, went to school in United shoots and stuff like that, which mm-hmm. people don't seem to realise. So <laughs> when he fills his form in, what club are you associated with or do you support? He put Altrincham down for his team to support. <laughs> now, everybody around the area where he comes from knows he's a United fan. Mm-hmm. Well, anyway, that's, it's, I mean, you've got another bloke who, for me, I think, it, I think he refereed uh, Liverpool last week here. Recently, Mike Dean, he comes from the Willow. Do you know what I mean? You're not supposed to do teams who are local. And yeah. he says his team is Tranmere. Fair enough, maybe they are his team. But referees, it's just, it's just a, a cocktail of everything that could go wrong in a football match. Anybody who knows about refereeing, a good referee is one you don't even know is on the pitch. And uh, unfortunately, we, 
I know nearly every referee in the league. I can tell you by just looking at him, never mind reading who he is. Uh, he's just terrible, some of the referees. And unfortunately, I've said it before, it's the police policing the police, you know. And uh, for my money, you ought to get somebody in there who knows something about the game, not just the rules. Well, for my money, it's um, to do with the betting. And I think, quite honestly, they are waiting for the signal from some betting syndicate or something. Uh, that's how I see it. And because it doesn't make sense a, 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 any other way, because incompetence is one thing, uh, but um, but stealing is another totally different thing. OK, well, I better not uh, labour the point because it, it does make me mad. And it, I'm not having to go at Manchester City. I'm not having to go at anybody no, in particular. It's VAR that I, I really feel annoyed with. Okay, so we go to um, St. David's Day and there's a match tonight. It's Burnley taking on Leicester. How do you see that one? Well, the way Burnley's playing, the way Leicester's playing, you've got to go for a home win, haven't you? Because Burnley have been playing really well and Leicester's been bobbins. So I would definitely go for a home win. Uh, obviously, a night game at Burnley. Who wants to go to Burnley on a night game? I don't think it's very good, but uh, I fancy Burnley to win 2-0. Okay, I put down a one-one. A um, the only reason why I think that is because Brendan Rodgers obviously must be getting a little, not so much desperate, but he must be feeling that something's got to change. So um, I'm going for one-one. Um, we go to Saturday's game, and Leicester is the first on the list. They're playing Leeds. Uh, how do you feel about that one? <laughs> well, I can say the same thing here. <laughs> Two teams are having a bad time of it, and uh, yeah. <laughs> I'd love to say Leeds are getting get a result here, but, but the more I think about it, I think Leicester are due a win. And I've, I've got a fancy Leicester to win 1-0. Okay. Not a big score this time. Um, i put 3-0, actually. I think Leicester have got to do something. Uh, but I think 3-0. And we go to Burnley, and they host Chelsea. It's obviously an afternoon kick-off, so it won't be quite as uh, as bad for Chelsea but I mean most of them up there they'll be uh, in the gloves and probably um, tights and all sorts won't they? Well as long as the, I mean, the weather seems to have changed a little bit from England from the other week when it was really poor weather but the Chelsea should go there and win there whether it's taken a lot out of them uh, the game the final you know it went to extra time and everything but they have had a week to recover, so although on the line, they haven't had a week to recover because they've got the FA Cup this week, haven't they? I think they play tonight, if I'm not mistaken. But uh, it's going to be interesting, but I, I fancy Chelsea to win that 1-0. OK, I've put 2-1. I, I think, um, you know, uh, Burnley have got a bit of a taste for the goals again, so... Um... Yeah, it's just the odd goal like yourself. Aston Villa at home to Southampton. Southampton good on the road. Aston Villa, bit shaky at the moment, but they've just had a win. So I'm going to go for 1-1 here. Yeah, it's going to be an interesting game because um, Southampton, we know Southampton seem to play better away from home than they do at home, even though they won at home last week 2-0. But I think it was more because we were playing Norwich rather than the fact that it was up against a good team. I just got the feeling that uh, this is going to be a tight game, and I think I'm going to go with you, Vince, on a one-all draw. Okay, uh, right now then, uh, we've got Norwich. You always want them to turn a corner, and they're hosting Brentford. That could be the one, two-one for me. Well, it's uh, another tough game, isn't it? It's uh, as they always say, a six-pointer. Norwich have got to win this. Everything's on, everything's on the on the line for Norwich. And if he, well, I mean, a lot of people think they're down already. I don't think they're down already myself. By the way, I think they, I think they got a good manager there in Dean Smith, and I've got the feeling that he might just pull them round. I, I don't know. It's just I've got a feeling that he could pull them round. So I'm going to go for a one-on-one win for uh, Norwich. Okay, so we're on the same page with that one. Uh, Newcastle, they take on Brighton. Newcastle resurgent, Brighton dipping in form. I think Newcastle will win this one 2 0. Yeah, I don't think it's going to be too far away there with that school line 2 0. I think that uh, Brighton, as I said, I just think they've got the, the beach stuff on now and they're, they're ready to finish the season off. Unless the manager can talk them out of it, uh, get them back to playing the way he was earlier on. 
Uh, I can only see a result for Newcastle because they've got a little bit more to play for, whereas uh, Brighton are pretty much safe. Uh, Newcastle still needed another couple of wins uh, to make sure that they're definitely safe. So I'm going to go with Newcastle to win one run. OK. Um, Wolves take on Palace. Now, Wolves had been very, very uh, difficult to score against, um, but they've had two defeats over the last two games. And uh, Crystal Palace beginning to show a little bit of form. So this one could go either way. So I'm going to go go for a draw, 1-1. Yeah, it should be a good game. I've, I've just got the feeling that uh, Wolves should be get, get back to winning ways. And I, I fancy Wolves to win 2-0. OK. Uh to Anfield next, and Liverpool take on West Ham. Um, I don't think there's many games that you can say are easy games, and so I don't think this is going to be anything other than a doer struggle to get the the goals. I think Liverpool have got to have this mindset now that they've got to win every game. So I'm going to go Liverpool two one. Yeah, it should be a good game. This actually, I mean. West Ham are so well. I mean, he won the other night, one nil. But uh, it's uh, I don't know. West, West Ham. I think they've let themselves down. I really believe that they should have bought somebody in the transfer window, uh, or certainly two players, to bring some freshness into dressing room because they've been playing a, a lot together up to Christmas, up to the transfer window, and they've been in the European Cup games, well, Euro games, and. Uh, I just got a feeling they've gone a little bit stale, and maybe that win at weekend, winning one on against the Wolves, funnily enough. And uh, I just got a feeling that it could be a banana skin for Liverpool, but at the moment, the way the forwards are playing, it's, it's hard to see Liverpool getting beat. So I'm going to go 3 1 Liverpool. OK. Now, Watford take on Arsenal. Uh, the wily old fox, Roy Hodgson, uh, he will be. It'd be difficult to put goals past, but Arsenal have got the skills. I'll go Watford one, Arsenal two. Yeah, they did. they were taking a lot of encouragement from that nil nil at Old Trafford. So, uh, as I've said before, week in week out, Roy Hodgson, you know, he's so clever at getting results like that. that nobody expected a nil nil at Old Trafford, and I, I got a feeling when they're at home. They have to attack a little bit more and that leaves them a bit more vulnerable at the back. So I, I, I'm going to go for an Arsenal win of 2-0. OK, now two big games, two minutes to tell us about them. Manchester City, Manchester United, Manchester City 3, Manchester United 1. That's my prediction. Well, I, I hope you're right, Vince. Definitely do. Uh, United have got a way of playing against Man City and that is that they, they defend and it's City on the break, which is one way of beating City a lot. If we lose games, it's mainly because, obviously, we have the, we have most of the play, but then it's the other team break away and score. It happened when we lost to Crystal Palace at home soon on, and it could happen against United. From my point of view, I don't think so, because we've got the players, I think, you'll, obviously, we're in the cup tonight ourselves, and it'll all change by weekend. It'll, it'll rest a few players tonight, and they'll be ready for weekend. So, I don't think you're far wrong there, 3-1, because United have the ability to score a goal against City. So I'm going to go same score against 3-1. Lovely. OK, our last game then, Tottenham take on Everton. Everton, uh, he's, he's got work in progress. Uh, he's obviously making some progress, but Tottenham obviously look like they can score goals. You've mentioned Son, Harry Kane. Uh, obviously, um, difficult 2-1 to Tottenham for me. Yeah, well, Everton away from home have been abysmal, even though Frank Lampard is there. And I, I, Tottenham, I've not been that great at home, actually, being truthful. But I think I'm going to go for the Tottenham win 1 0. It's going to be a tough game, though. I think Everton are going to, well, you're going to try the hardest anyway. But what annoyed me last week watching Everton against Man City, where's all them players been all season? The way they put the effort in against City at weekend and all the other games we've seen them play. And there's not been any effort there. You know, in my yeah. opinion, I just thought I'd be ashamed of myself to show, show a game from early on in the season when he had no attitude. You know, when Benitez was there. And uh, I, I just feel the players have let the club down, not so much as the people at the top. Although people say them at the top are to blame, but 
the players prove that they've got the ability. What they did Saturday against City, they worked their socks off, and I thought they were really brilliant. And it was a really tough game, and we we did get away with a result there. But by the same rule, players should ask, look at themselves in the mirror and say, well, where have we been all season and we can play like that? Brilliant. OK, we're just about time to play the jingle and say thank you, Eric. Stay safe. Look okay. forward to chatting with you next week. OK, cheers, Vince. Take care, mate. Bye. It's Talking Football with the Silver Fox, Eric Barnes. Thank you.